You're tuned in to the Nonprofit Chatter, brought to you by Nonprofit Pro with our friends at Pursuant. New T and Taylor Shanklin are getting real and sitting down with nonprofit leaders to chatter about issues affecting nonprofits today. Be sure to subscribe to us in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss these conversations with your nonprofit peers. And check us out on the web at nonprofitpro.com slash podcast slash nonprofit hyphen chatter. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Nonprofit Chatter podcast hosted by me, Nuti, Editor-in-Chief of Nonprofit Pro. And this is the voice of Leah Davenport, Marketing Manager here at Pursuant. Nonprofit Chatter will give you an insider's look on the most pressing challenges facing nonprofit leaders and fundraisers today. And we're going to talk about how nonprofits can overcome those challenges. In each episode, we'll engage in invigorating conversation with industry leaders and find out what tools and tactics nonprofits need in their repertoire to make their vision become a reality. So in episode number 18 of the Nonprofit Chatter, we have the pleasure of speaking with Vanessa Andrews, Chief Development Officer at Washington National Cathedral, and Kristen Priest, VP of Client Solutions at Pursuant, to learn more about how Washington National Cathedral has pivoted its strategy in the face of the challenges brought on by COVID-19. Thank you, New. Um, Vanessa, Kristen, I'm really happy and excited to have you with us today. Um, Vanessa, why don't you start off uh, by introducing yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Vanessa Andrews, and I am the Chief Development Officer at Washington National Cathedral. I've been in this role for about four and a half years, um, had a previous stint at the National Cathedral 15 years prior, um, and have been in the development world for over 20 years. Thank you. And Kristen, how about yourself? Yeah, thank you. Um, so as you said, my name is Kristen Priest. I'm the Vice President of Client Solutions here at Pursuant, and I have the privilege of coming alongside um, really fantastic nonprofit organizations like the National Cathedral that are seeking to strengthen their impact and mission um, through fundraising initiatives, primarily in comprehensive large-scale campaigns um, and major gift initiatives. Thank you. Again, once again, I'm um, looking forward to our conversation today and new thank you for kicking, kicking us off. Uh, Vanessa, let's start with you. So um, most people who might be listening to the podcast probably have um, some images in their head if they've been fortunate to visit um, our nation's capital and visit the National Cathedral um, or seen it on uh, the television with uh, state funerals or um, large national events um, when religious services are held there. Um, and so given that kind of background of the cathedral, I'd love to know how the cathedral responded in the early days of the pandemic. You know, we, you were telling us before, uh, before this, the current year, the cathedral was recently completing a strategic plan, which had taken them about a year to complete. And um, part of that plan was a five-year comprehensive campaign, and you were just wrapping up kind of that lengthy process, starting to enter the quiet phase of that campaign when everything hit with COVID. So I'd love to kind of get an, an, a, uh, a view from you of what that was like. Sure. It's, it feels like it's been about four years, but it's only been about four months. Um, but yeah, I think um, to your point, I think most people think of the National Cathedral, they think of the incredible Gothic building, right? That's sort of our hallmark. And that's what 
bring so many people to the building and inside the building. Um, so when the pandemic hit and we had to close the physical doors in March, it was a huge, um, a huge shift for us. Um, and we basically, without skipping a beat, had to become a virtual organization overnight. We had started moving in that direction. Um, we were streaming our Sunday services and some other of our programs, but really the emphasis was on the space, right? And folks coming to the space and experiencing it. And so we basically um, shifted all of our services with uh, an emphasis on our Sunday service um, to being fully virtual. Um, that was our first priority to get that up and running. Um, and from a development perspective, obviously we kept, did everything we could um, to keep our fundraising going. Um, with the doors closing on the cathedral, um, it meant that uh, the philanthropic revenue was the only source of revenue coming in. And so we know, knew we needed to do everything we could to keep that moving. Um, from a fundraising perspective, we focused and we still are focusing on how do we take um, advantage of and leverage um, opportunities around our expanded virtual offerings, um, in particular our Sunday services. Um, one example is really that we have grown over the last now, I guess almost four months, um, uh, the philanthropic contributions that we receive on Sunday through folks who are participating in that Sunday service online. Um, and just as some context, pre-pandemic, uh, we raised around $5,000 on a given Sunday at, a, at the services. And the last few Sundays, we have raised uh, between 40 and 50,000. So that's been really one of our big, um, big focuses since the, the pandemic hit. But the other place that we focused really was just making sure our messaging um, in our ongoing annual fundraising was realigned with where we were in terms of the world and the country and the city of Washington uh, and making sure that it was, you know, not out of alignment with where things were because a lot of those appeals, you know, we had them teed up um, so we literally had to pull back a lot of our appeals um, and rewrite them or at least update them so that we were taking advantage um, of the opportunity. And to be frank, for us, um, COVID has given us a sense of urgency. Um, there was a new emphasis on our ability to serve folks um, in ways that their local churches and parishes couldn't. Um, and so we really uh, wanted to emphasize that um, as an opportunity and also the need that we had um, to, to, in terms of support. Um, in terms of the campaign, yes, we had been working for the last few years to kind of get to the point where we had been able to launch our quiet phase of our, it's a five-year comprehensive campaign. Um, and I would say we were literally right about to um, produce our overall case for support for the campaign when the pandemic hit. So when we did have to shut down the, the physical building due to the pandemic, we took a, a brief pause from the campaign just to get our bearings. Um, we sort of quickly uh, affirmed that we needed to keep moving with the campaign. Uh, but that we might have to re sort of reprioritize uh, in terms of funding needs and or timeline 
as we're moving forward. So that we've just in the last few months really been working on, on doing that and really working um, toward a plan for our coming fiscal year, which starts July 1. Uh, and then in terms of the case for support, we, uh, we had decided at the time, let's just sort of let things settle down a bit um, and then revisit the case to make sure that it's still um, relevant and timely and um, you know, reflects where we are in the world today, but also knowing that it's a five-year campaign and that um, the needs are still there, the priorities are still there, so we don't think we'll have to completely rewrite it. Um, but we will be, over the next few weeks, taking a step back and just making sure that the, the messaging is, is where it needs to be given everything that's happening. Fantastic. Vanessa, I think that's great. And I think one of my favorite parts of everything is that how quickly the organization pivoted to make sure the next step was the right step for where we were with the pandemic, um, such as reevaluating your campaign. And I think that's awesome. Um, so Kristen, I wanted to loop you in here, and I know you worked alongside the cathedral to put together their case for support. Um, so I'm curious, what were some things you identified as a cathedral value propositions? Yeah, so, you know, this was a, a really um, uh, interesting process to go through with the cathedral um, for organizations that are as complex as the cathedral. Um, creating a case for support, especially for something like a comprehensive campaign that touches every aspect of what an organization is, is a challenging exercise and something that's going to require quite a few rewrites. Um, and as we think about the cathedral, on, on one hand, at its center, the cathedral is this active, vibrant congregation. But to thousands of folks who visit the cathedral every year, it's an architectural masterpiece that's deeply important to them. Um, and as for others, as they watch state funerals or national days of remembrance um, on television, on computer from all over the country or even the world, um, it means something different yet. So what we decided to do is to embrace each one of these three components because as we stepped back, each one makes the other stronger. The architectural masterpiece, this Gothic cathedral, makes the worship and music experience elevated. Um, the, the opportunity to sit there in the nation's capital to, um, to be a part of national discourse um, builds on what the cathedral is about. So we, we identified really three core areas. Um, the National Cathedral is, it's a natural national treasure. Um, it's a house of prayer for all people. And it's an organization that embraces living at the crossroads of sacred and civic. Kristen, this is Leah speaking again. Um, so I'd love to dig into that a little bit more uh, when it comes to that case for support. Um, and so just as you so eloquently said, a lot of the things that the cathedral um, values and the reasons that people should be proud to support the cathedral for are very evergreen. Um, they're things that kind of transcend the day-to-day -day news cycle. However, um, this, I, I feel like the last few years have been years with lots of um, hot button items in the news, but this year in particular has been just one thing after another. And so how can a nonprofit navigate 
altering those messages, altering those cases for support so that it remains, it, it remains relevant. It's not tone deaf, um, but still maintains um, that longevity that you need. Yeah, that's, so that's an interesting question when you kind of step back and think about um, really great cases for support. Um, they should be visionary and inspiring. They answer the question, um, what does success look like? Why do you exist? Um, how do you drive towards this? And what do you do better or different than anyone else? Um, what they aren't is they aren't detailed documents that outline everything you as an organization do. Um, and when you keep the case at that level, at that visionary level, um, it can and it should survive the ebbs and flows of whatever's happening in the world around you. Um, it has that stronger shelf life, if you will. But with that said, I don't know that any case for support that was written two years ago can completely withstand what we're experiencing in 2020. Um, even if the goals and vision hold true, what I think organizations can do to ensure their case still feels relevant is to review the case and ask, does this now feel tone deaf or somewhat irrelevant in light of where we are? Does our 2018 messaging miss the mark in 2020? And the answer is likely a little. Um, but to your question, we need to think about altering rather than rewriting. Because when we approach our case with a rewrite mindset, especially if it's a good case at its core, if it is driving that vision, if it's answering the unique value proposition question, um, then we can lose some of the core of what makes that great because we're so consumed with what's happening right now that we rewrite a case that again becomes irrelevant in two years. Um, versus simply finding those handful of pieces where we can meaningfully and powerfully connect today's reality. Um, and those can be simple things like pull quotes and pictures, um, swapping out programmatic references where some programs may need to come to the forefront, um, making some changes to an introduction letter or a closing um, letter is where often the most powerful tone of the case lives. So approaching it from places where you can um, insert 2020 priorities and emotion and mindset of what's happening versus writing a 2020 case for support is, is I think my strongest recommendation. Excellent. Um, so, I mean, Kristen, like you said, it's it's been quite a year I'd say, and it's a lot different than years past. And even with the pandemic, um, there are so many things on top of it that make this year incredibly different. Um, so Vanessa, I wanted to bring you into this conversation here to see what the cathedral's experience has been. How did the pandemic on top of everything happening with the Black Lives Movement shift things for the organization? So I think sort of touching back on what Kristen said um, about our overall campaign case for support, I think that has really provided a framework for us um, in terms of, not just in terms of our fundraising, but in terms of having to have thought through how to prioritize our, our programmatic life 
and articulate, um, as Kristen mentioned, sort of the three roles that the cathedral plays and how we live into those. And so I think with the, um, the sort of events of the pandemic and the Black Lives Matter movement, it hasn't necessarily shifted anything in terms of at our core and who we are and what we are. It's, it's allowed us to emphasize some areas that and de-emphasize some areas. Obviously, we're focusing a lot more um, on some of the you know, racial reconciliation work. That'll be something probably that gains more focus in the coming year. Um, but really what, what it's done is, is forced us, especially the pandemic, um, has forced us to make some budgetary decisions because we're closed. We don't have um, the sources of earned revenue that we did. Um, which in turn then forces us to reaffirm um, our strategic priorities, right? And because we had that five-year strategic plan, because we did all the work on the case for support, that made that process a little easier as we had to make some decisions in the last few months as we look into our new fiscal year around really reaffirming what those priorities are and then having that budget reflect that. So I would say that's kind of one of the big things that shifted is, is our budget, <laughs> like many organizations. Um, but at the end of the day, the goal of the campaign is really to strengthen and equip the cathedral to help, to help heal the brokenness in the world. And I think the, the events of the pandemic and the Black Lives Matter sort of underscore um, that brokenness and that our, our goal really is to continue to do our work um, less with the building, right, because the building is closed, but using the power of the place to be that voice, um, both at sort of an individual level, as well as in terms of our, our nation and, and being a voice for the nation at large. So, Vanessa, I wanted to piggyback off of that, quite the, the answer that you just gave, knew about how some things have remained the, the same, but other things, including your budget, have had to shift. Um, so, you know, given the amount of time and effort it took to create the case for support and, you know, the year that you spent putting together all of the timelines and um, KPIs for this five-year campaign, have your goals changed? Have they shifted or are they still mostly on track? So I would say um, we're still mostly on track. Um, we were at the very you know, beginning of our campaign and we have uh, an overall internal goal and it's tied very much to a five-year budget. So we sort of know the, the larger buckets and needs that we have both operating capital and endowment. Um, since it is a comprehensive campaign, um, operating is a big piece of that. Um, and that continues to be our priority. That's always been our priority to meet the, the operating needs of the organization. And so I think because we, we're in a comprehensive campaign, that will provide structure for us, our, our annual operating needs. Um, so that will be our priority in the coming year. Um, and of course, that helps us make progress toward the overall campaign goal. Um, some of the other funding needs um, around capital and endowment, those are probably gonna, they won't change at this point because we're still very early in the campaign, but they will not be the, you know, as much of a priority in the coming year. Um, some of those 
um, areas we thought we would spend a little more, um, have more focus on next year around some capital needs um, probably will be shifted further down the line uh, while we focus on some of our other needs, including um, investing more in our, in, a, in our digital world. So making some investments to enable us to, to really be a more robust virtual cathedral. So that's kind of one example of where I think some of our, our priorities may shift. Um, but the operating budget keeps us focused. That's always our goal to meet those needs. And then I would also say from a fundraising perspective, um, the other piece that we always keep a focus on is sort of the long-term health of our program. And that is really around our donor base and making sure we're, we're building that donor base. And so I think if we continue to focus on those fundamentals and those KPIs that we focus on annually, and keep driving them up, ultimately that's gonna help us meet the campaign. It'll help us um, you know, have more folks in the pipeline toward a major gift, et cetera. So really I think by just focusing on sort of our ongoing um, annual goals and our longer term uh, goals of building the donor base, they will help us um, make progress toward the campaign while the actual funding areas may shift a little. Awesome. Um, so Vanessa, I'm curious to hear if there was anything you uncovered in that case of for support development that unknowingly prepared you and the organization to pivot quickly when COVID hit. Sure, and I think unknowingly is probably the key word here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, nobody knew we were heading in this direction. <laughs> um, so yes, I think um, looking back on it, um, Kristen mentioned this earlier that Cathedral, you know, it's a multifaceted organization and we do have sort of those three key areas of ministry. Um, at the same time, it, it makes it hard to articulate um, a clear case for support. That's, all, that's been our challenge historically. Um, I think the, the process we went through to, to craft the case for support for the campaign really forced us um, to really be intentional around um, articulating um, why the cathedral matters, what the impact it has on individuals and on the nation and the world. And it tied very much to our strategic plan and it tied very much to our budget to support that strategic plan. So it was a very integrated process um, it was a hard process. It, it took a lot of conversations and we, things were, as Kristen mentioned, written and then we sort of threw it out and then we, re, you know, restructured it. But by the time we got to the end of it, I think we all felt really good about it. And it's been a force that's kind of uh, focused the organization and aligned the organization in a way that it hasn't been in the past. And so I think when the pandemic hit, and we really had to step back and make some hard decisions around the coming year and budget and priorities. We already had done a lot of that hard work to really think through what are our priorities and what is core to who we are and what are the investments and the budget needed to fund that. And so it really, uh, I don't wanna say it was an, a hard process. It was of course a hard process, especially emotionally, 
but it was a process that we went through in an intentional way that was sort of just a continuation of what we had done so that now as we look into um, the coming fiscal year we've reaffirmed where we need to focus our even more limited um, you know uh, limited resources and so I think in retrospect that allowed us to kind of move and just refine and refocus um, and make some hard decisions and and I think when we were chatting the other day make decisions based on in many cases a sort of a worst case scenario so that but still in a way that we can bounce back if things get better sooner so we're really trying to position ourselves um, to keep serving and delivering our ministries but doing so in a sustainable way so that we can get through this um, and be stronger uh, and Vanessa, just to kind of piggyback on something that you mentioned in there is that um, in that case for support process, we spent a good deal of time going back to the budget, really understanding a five-year financial model, which was um, for, for those of us that are the, the art more than the science of fundraising, that was um, not always the, um, the most enjoyable part of that process. But when we truly dove into each one of those detailed line items, um, that understanding, that information we had from a fundraising perspective has allowed the cathedral to make some really quick pivots to um, funding opportunities that kind of pre-COVID wouldn't have seemed like the, the sexiest fundraising opportunities, um, things such as technology, needing to build out the infrastructure as the cathedral um, becomes this place of worship um, for, for a nation and even a world in, in bigger ways. Um, Pre-COVID, it wasn't quite as, as strong an ask. It might be one of those things that, that kind of gets pushed into and bundle, bundled into something else. But um, because that case for support process really had a deep root in understanding some of the budgetary um, issues that went into the five-year plan, um, the cathedral was able to really quickly identify and build a case for support language um, around some of those nuts and bolts components um, because there's such this unique opportunity um, in the time that we're in right now. Thank you, Kristen. Um, I'd love to wrap us up with one final question. And Vanessa or Kristen, feel free to one of you answer this or both of you jump in. Um, but, you know, Given this conversation, are there any key takeaways you'd be able to share with listeners that they're facing some similar questions that um, you have been facing the last few months? Um, I'll, I'll go first. So I think um, in, in light of everything we've said kind of leading up to this around um, not having whiplash when you're approaching your case for support to make sure it's 2020 relevant, um, I do think there is some value in giving yourself permission to write that 2020 case for support. I Two months ago, I called it the COVID case for support, and now it feels like with these new things happening um, in our nation and world, it is the 2020 case for support. Um, this isn't the designed um, multi-page glossy brochure that you send out, but just um, a process an, or an exercise where you as an organization are answering the question, why in light of what we're experiencing in 2020, are you more relevant and important now than ever? 
And I think I would, would echo what Kristen said, and I would add that I think part of it was, part of what we did really was really just to reaffirm and lean into who we are as an organization. Um, and, and our fundraising follows that, right? So to really um, piggyback on what was happening in the world and how the cathedral could serve folks and then just find ways and in some cases new ways or ways we, we didn't emphasize as much, i.e. online, virtual, social media, to really underscore um, why supporting the cathedral at this time is so critical. And I think we um, as an organization have become more confident in, um, in articulating that and also just um, you know, stating the need. That's something we, we sometimes shied away from, um, but I think we've gotten bolder about that. Uh, and I think the other piece that as far as just sort of reflecting back is it's given us a little more license to take some risks that we otherwise wouldn't have taken. Uh, in some cases, it's sort of counterintuitive because our budgets are even tighter. So you'd think we would be even more nervous about spending money and, and actually a lot of it isn't, doesn't require expending anything, but it's just sort of under this gun of we've got to do whatever we can uh, from a fundraising perspective, but, but in a way that aligns with who we are and that just is all fundamentally about building relationships, right? And it, I guess it wouldn't be a, a, a conversation around fundraising that didn't at least underscore the importance of building those relationships. And I think that's what we've really tried to, um, you know, leverage and take advantage of the opportunity to, to keep building relationships with folks who know and love us and support us but we've had a real opportunity as well to build, start building relationships with folks who are now just learning about who we are. And so obviously one of our big goals next year will be to keep engaging folks and, and building those relationships as well. Awesome. That's so great to hear. And I think with the pandemic, it, everything is on uncharted waters and everything is scary and you never know how to prepare for it, but it seems like you guys um, are trying new things and finding what works for you. And at the essence and the core of your organization, you're putting your donors first and putting their needs and their interests first. And that I think is a huge lesson that a lot of nonprofits can take away from today's conversation. So that wrap that about wraps it up for today's episode. Um, I want to take a second to thank our listeners for listening in on today's podcast. And Vanessa and Kristen, thank you so much for joining me and Leah. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been our pleasure. Thank you. All right. So on behalf of Nonprofit Pro and Pursuant, we will see you on the next episode of the Nonprofit Chatter. Have a great day.